Hello, and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we dive into movies, TV shows, trailers, and all the latest in pop culture news. I'm joined today by my co-host and extreme kayak enthusiast, Ivan. Hello. Today, we're going to talk about episode five of WandaVision, titled On a Very Special Episode. This was a very special episode. Before we get into it, though, any highlights in the news this week? A couple things. Uh, I, I guess the primary... or the big one was the uh, announcement of apparently a five-year contract with Ryan Coogler and mm-hmm. and Disney. Um, and so stemming from that is supposed to... Obviously, we have Black Panther 2 in the works, right? But uh, supposedly a Wakanda series is coming to Disney+, Plus, which is interesting that they didn't say a Black Panther Disney Plus series. They said a Wakanda series coming. Yeah, it leaves the door open for whatever it could be about. Like when we left off with black panther before the events of infinity war their goal was uh, outreach so maybe it follows that but it sounded like it was going to stay within wakanda i don't know if that was like if i read into that too much or too literally no i think there's so many tribes um that form wakanda that it'd be nice to spend a little bit of time within the world itself and just kind of flesh it out a little bit more i feel like that was the first time that we got a version of something that wasn't quite established like it's not like the rest of the mcu where you have space or you have like i don't know what is the other setting the united states or europe or whatever where you can you know the the viewer can kind of more or less put two and two together um i think wakanda is a good spot for them to world build a little bit wakanada (laughs) as bruce banner likes to likes to say the man with (laughs) how how many phds eight (laughs) can't pronounce wakanda hey he he stuttered a bit there so (laughs) <laughs> um, no, I, I. This is one of the things in the headlines that I, I wasn't totally. I don't know. I, it didn't grab my attention so much. That I was so excited, but I mean, Ryan Coogler did a great job with Black Panther and so many other movies as well. Uh, that I'm, uh, I'm willing to give it slack or, or willing to, you know, keep interest in it. I'm kind. I'm hearing that it's going to be based on the the Dora Milaje, the the bodyguards of um, of Black Panther. So maybe it's like Okoye's series without really telling us that. That should be pretty cool. The other major thing in the news, I guess, is Little Things came out on HBO and in theaters. Uh, and that's Denzel and Denzel Washington and Rami Malek's new movie. Have you gotten a chance to watch that yet? I haven't. I have it queued it up for this weekend, though. So I'm definitely going to dive into it a little bit more that's also on my uh, on my list too so we can't really give you a full review here but uh it looked like it made just shy of five million in the box office so i don't know if this is good news or bad news for the movie industry i mean sadly that was the top of the charts but compare that to something that came out in like march or february of last year and it's like a tenth of probably the leading weekend movie yeah, I feel like this kind of reinforces um, the, the just how maybe a right call it was to release things simultaneously on, you know, wherever you can release it in theaters and also on HBO Max for uh, Warner Brothers Slate. As much as like some of the other studios seem to be criticizing them for that move, it's, it shows that, you know, you're just not going to make that much money right now. Like there's no way that you can um, even like pretend you're going to get like and you know what was it that we would normally see these numbers of like a hundred million, two hundred fifty million dollar opening weekend? Uh, those days are not anywhere near us at the moment. 
yeah, I mean, these are two major star actors, uh, Oscar winners, and I would assume that, you know, in normal times, opening weekend, this is at least 10 times it, a 50 million opening weekend. Yeah, that's probably a safe bet. So, yeah, it is a little surprising, a little sad, but, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised because I thought, you know, with more vaccines getting out there and some places, you know, not taking the, the resurgence of the curve a little serious, I would expect that to be a little bit higher. Um, well, I guess that's good news. That is not crazy high. On the vaccine front, we're getting close to 10% of the population here getting getting the um, getting the shot. I The other thing, too, is like, I, and, and this is something that um, I feel like, you know, maybe most folks aren't really privy to. It's... Um, the bulk of the box office is actually made up in these major metro areas, which I don't think there's a metro area here in the country that has movie theaters actively open. And the, and the places that do, and I could be wrong about this, but I feel like I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, but Atlanta has the permission to open up their theaters, but there's just nobody going right now. There's still that, there's a bad stigma behind it. And there's also like, if nobody's going, these theaters are probably going to opt to just close for for the time being, we should um, we should do a little bit of like a breakdown of the industry a little later on, see where that's trending. Yeah, we can we'll circle back to it. Let's get into this episode though. Um, any, let's do a quick spoiler-free thought um, for those that haven't watched it and are planning to. Uh, why don't you kick us off with with your thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought this was a really really good episode. Um, very much very marvel feeling <laughs> as i put on on the notes here but um i think that it continues to kind of you know bend the formula up a little bit and give us something a little bit new um and it also got me thinking because of how complex it's kind of gotten i feel like we've gotten to the point regardless of whether you know we, we'd be under this current situation of, of the pandemic right i feel like the mcu has become too big <laughs> in in its um in the grand scheme of things that ultimately it seems like these Disney play shows are a really good strategy to continue the overall story going forward. And it gives us the space to be able to handle things that maybe wouldn't be all so much handled in a single film. I, I gave it a lot of thought and, and the way that I kind of see it, I don't think a concept like this would work in the movie because you're constricted to so little time. You know, like if I divide this up, these last four episodes are one movie. Yeah, we're at about an hour and a half of like footage time right now, maybe right. a little bit more. So I, yeah, that was that was my major note as well. Um, this one kind of sat with me a little bittersweet. Uh, I was saying that before we started recording. I totally agree that the show format is great for this, and then I think it's going to be great for like a Loki and for uh, all the other Marvel slates that are coming out. Because they're so well thought out and planned and tied into the MCU um, and and they are organized and they understand and, and place value on, you know, giving us three episodes of like setup that might be viewed as a little bit boring, but have like contributed loads to the payoff that we're getting right now. So I really liked this movie because or this episode because it felt like you said, like a Marvel movie, like a mini movie. But 
I'm starting to get those like Last Jedi vibes where I'm coming in with these predictions and these expectations and it hasn't been delivered on yet or has been delivered on in different ways. But maybe that's just me being like a little impatient. I know we're only halfway through the season, so there's still plenty of time for stuff to get paid off. Um, so I, I guess I just need to be more patient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's there's going to be a reward per se, right, of things to come. I don't think we've gotten to the actual like full, um, what do you call it, the full platter, I guess, or the main chorus of the show quite yet. I think we're go- we're getting there around this point. And if if Mandalorian is anything to kind of go off of, it seems like these shows tend to start to get to the point around episode six or closer to like the the final episodes um, of the season. Yeah, th- these are just the snowball effect. Um, is what Disney does great is it starts off rolling down the hill super slow and it's not a big idea yet but once it picks up a little bit more momentum and a little bit more mass it's moved so fast that by the time we're at the second half of the season we're we're giving away these little payoff moments or major plot points or you know giving us explanation into something pretty quickly this is also the episode where we start to really see uh, some of the, I guess, c- c- complexity of, of, of the actual story. So, uh, whereas I feel like last episode was a good little revisit into the Marvel formula, it was it also kind of served as a little bit of a summarization of the last uh, of the previous three episodes. So here's where I feel like we're starting to get to the next phase of it. Yeah, and I think what this show is also doing for me, maybe not for Vision, but for Wanda, is making me care about a character I haven't cared about. Um, like, Wanda didn't get that much screen time in the movies, and I, she was also, like, new to her powers, so she hadn't really figured things out yet. And it seems like she's at a point where she has had it figured out, mostly, and now we're getting to see what can she do. And it's it's impressive to watch. It is. But if you if, if anyone listening hasn't seen the episode yet, maybe hit the pause button, go watch it, <laughs> and then come back. But um, I feel like th- this this is where we start to pick up steam quite a bit. Uh, and we'll see what happens with the next episode. But I feel like uh, for the last watching the last five, um, and truth be told, I went back and binge watched uh, <laughs> yesterday before I, I got to this point. <laughs> Um, it's it, it's good. It, it I think it plays up really well when when you give it a little bit of a binge. Um, but something you pointed out actually to to us before we get into the meat and like the meat of this <laughs> of our podcast here, um, the episode titles. Um, yeah, so they called this one on a very special episode, which I mean, like just screams eighties because this episode is like the eighties. <laughs> we're like. Honestly, like I only thought of like growing pains when I was watching it or like Seventh Heaven and they have the, like every once in a while every season they would have this like super serious topic um where they would just play like super sad music in the background at the end and it would actually roll credits when it's like a little still a little somber. But yeah, you you wrote the title down. I was like, "Wait, I don't remember the first few having titles." Um so we had to like I had to look back and na- and ask you when they uh, started titling their episodes and I, I think it was episode three right yeah I, I noticed them episode three actually 
had the whole conversation <laughs> um, with one of my friends on it because I could have sworn the first two episodes it just simply said episode one and episode two. Right. And I was I was right. It seems like on the release of the third episode they started putting the actual titles on there. Yeah. So my thought was, and obviously this hasn't I haven't looked into this at all, so I have no stock into this. But my thought is that it's these are titles of the sitcom being watched in the show that we're watching. So we're watching WandaVision, but they're watching the sitcom of WandaVision. Like Darcy's watching the sitcom. So I think she discovered it at the beginning of four, but she was watching episode three in episode four, which is confusing. But I think that's why they're titling it, because now she's receiving them. They now they they started to air for them in episode three, right? I like that. I mean, the titles I've never really like paid attention to in The Mandalorian. I always forgot. <laughs> like I would be watching the credits or like the opening credits and then just like, oh, we're into the episode. Did they say what the title was? All right, whatever. I'll figure it out after. Well, they kind of put it to you in the in the title card for Mandalorian. But on here, you don't. You really have to just like pay attention to right before you click on the episode. And it's, you know, to be fair, nobody really is looking at the title. Well, Maybe... I watch these at like 5.30, 6 a.m. So I like to like squint and not rub the sleep <laughs> out of my eyes so that I don't get any spoilers of in this episode's synopsis under the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, I watch these at 4 a.m. Eastern time. <laughs> <laughs> no better time. But let's get into the characters and, and some of the scenes. Um, do you want to start off with Vision? I feel like this was kind of his episode, right? Yeah, well, we started things off with him in this in this episode. Um, yeah, him, him and Wanda are trying to put the kids to sleep. And I think both characters have a lot of um, good dialogue here. I think it's, you know, there's like a funny ironic moment where Vision says that he's trying to read Charles Dar- Darwin, The Descent of Man, to, <laughs> I forget which child he had, Tommy, I think it was. To Billy, I believe. To Billy. Yeah. Which is funny because, I mean, it's a book on evolution and he's a AI. So, I mean, he's the end of evolution, basically. <laughs> or a mutant well, yeah I guess we don't really know what he is anymore <laughs> he's something <laughs> they're both something that, you know, they, they, that whole sequence was, was, was great and it played up like a comedic bit including the little um, the, the the whole thing of like Vision plugging his ears in with the with the binkies with the baby binkies so yeah there that, was one thing there that really struck a chord with me and it was when Wanda says, why don't you do what I want when she tried to use magic oh, to yeah. find the kids? And I thought that was like so perfectly thrown in there that you could easily just miss it. But it's like she has this expectation that she can control everything around her. And I guess that's the indication that like things are going off the rails right now. Yeah, this episode really plays with that quite a bit. And I think it's pretty, pretty, rel- or pretty obvious, I think, about halfway through that there's certain people that she's not actually able to control at least as well as she may want to and some not at all um vision being one of them but also it seems like the kids are immune to her abilities yeah which is like agent Wu, yeah from the fbi raises like i think it was him who asked the question like who are the kids have we identified them yet um were they in the town or are they brought from the outside the town and then Monica confirmed that they were Wanda's children. They're real. So she's like, she actually went through that pregnancy and had kids, according to Monica. 
Yeah, there was a lot of like interesting tidbits on Wanda's abilities because I feel like any and uh, up to this point we've only really gotten Wanda's telepathic and telekinesis abilities. I don't think we ever really were given the full grasp at what her abilities are and over here she is messing with reality to a huge huge level yeah and then you you said a great point before too about vision kind of questioning the reality or or kind of becoming aware and wanda not being able to control that i feel like there were some other lines in here i forget i think it was towards the end actually um so we can get to it later too but Vision had this line that was like, we're usually so that we're usually like on the same page that uh, now we're diverting here. Um, so I feel like Wanda was able to keep this, the hex as they're calling it intact because she didn't have to work so hard on keeping vision in line. But now that he's questioning things or seeing the odd, like the oddities of the world, she has to expense like so much power on keeping him in line that's that's the way that i kind of interpreted in the beginning as well i also it kind of begs the question of like this episode she seems to be in less control of all these situations than she was previously because there were instances where it it does seem like to both the vision and to the kids she tries to make reality something different but they just don't adhere to it yeah and things are you know breaking into the world that don't follow her plot like the dog i don't think was part of the world i think it walked in through the hex or something like that because she was so confused as to like how that dog ended up in the world that she didn't know about that dog was very suicidal or something because like from the beginning (laughs) it went straight for the uh for for the spark there i didn't really think about that but now that you say it it, you're right he went right for the outlet and then he ate the poisonous leaves (laughs) He's really out there. Just really, he really doesn't like to be under that hex. It looks like. I wonder if that is like adults can handle the pain of the hex. Because like, uh, what's his, what's Vision's coworker's name? Hugh. Norm. Norm. Yeah, yeah. Like Norm, as soon as he was like, snapped out of it, he was in incredible pain and fear and whatnot. Maybe that's why she didn't take any like children hostage because she didn't think they could handle it and then the dog clearly couldn't handle it because it's i don't know why but that's a good point that's a good point i didn't realize that maybe um that that would explain the reason why there's no kids in in the neighborhood because i mean we we kind of pointed that out earlier when they kept saying for the children but we never saw any children and we thought it was like a running joke but then Vision pointed this out as like, no, this is very concerning because I walk past the playground every day and no one's there. <laughs> I wonder then, could could it be then that children in general are immune to her abilities? It it's it's strange though because the kids obviously have something about them themselves. Uh, you know, the 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 relationship that they have with with Wanda seems to be very. Um, they they seem to be very connected emotionally too, because they can kind of sense when she's lying to them of certain things. Um, and while I'm not saying that you know in traditional sense a kid wouldn't pick up on a lie, it just seems to be like naturally you would be more <laughs> inclined to believe your mom, I guess, at that age, right? Um, but speaking of them, they're they're 
their aging <laughs> was um, very interesting to kind of note. Yeah, so they were crying children in the opening scene, and then roll credits of baby photos, which, by the way, baby vision is adorable. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> um, and then after the credit, or no, was it before the credits where they age? Um, I believe so. It had to have been because there was like a title card where they were they blow out candles one through five. <laughs> yeah, they age themselves five years after Wanda and Vision can't seem to quiet them down, and even after Agnes kind of didn't, um, I guess, fail to 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 put them to sleep. Uh, or did Agnes do something? Was she actually spraying lavender? Or did she actually give them the alcohol she said she was going to give them? <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> what the heck? Well, there's there's a lot of like um I think it's an Eastern European thing too. Uh I know like in back like back in Mexico the th- same thing is like you'll give them a little bit of alcohol if the baby doesn't stop crying and it, it usually knocks them out oh. to sleep. Yeah. I know it's crazy. Apparently it's a cultural <laughs> thing, but I would I would highly not recommend anybody do that. <laughs> yeah, this podcast strongly urges you to not do that. <laughs> but but it, it does it does happen it's it, there's um there's a lot of like countries and cultures that apparently it's it's a it's a normal thing i, I remember seeing it as a kid myself so that's why I, I never i didn't really question it or bat an eye <laughs> but it, it was interesting to see the the conversation on social media where it's like it, was that just a joke or was she seriously considering it i'm like well yeah some there are some places that do that she is from sokovia so there you go I was surprised if she threw a little vodka their way. Right. A little vodka wouldn't hurt anybody. You know? No. <laughs> um, but they, they aged up five years in an instant, literally pulling a disappearing act and coming, I think, appearing behind them on the by the staircase. Quick and then thing they, do, they do it again, where they age yeah. up to 10 in order to keep the dog. Well, it leads, so me, they, it leads me to they, wonder, though, like, is it something... I kind of read it as, like, somebody... And the events that happened with Sparky... Uh, with the dog eventually, you know, ending up where he ends up, I kind of took it to mean that it's in somebody's interest to have them age up. You get what I mean? Like it's it's almost like they're pushing them to to age up rapidly. I don't know if it's somebody, you know, some ulterior motive, or if it's the fact that Wanda has created this world that ages ten years overnight. Because Vision pointed out that like every time they go to sleep when they wake up their 10 years or like to have a totally different setting around them. And that's, I guess when Wanda was doing using magic to change the world. So I don't know if she's like created these rules of aging, but no one else is getting impacted by that. Right. So yeah, it's tough to tell right now just because we don't have a lot of information. So I could see this as like an ulterior motive of if we're going with Mephisto uh, being the one behind all this, I don't know who else would have any stock in that or control over it. Yeah, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like that. It, like it, it, I don't know. To me, it just seems a little suspicious that they are able because they aged themselves up, but it seems like they're kind of pushed into situations where they would. You know, this, in, in keeping in line with <laughs> with talking on Vision, the level of awareness for him is like at an all time high in this episode. Uh, from the initial questioning and I, that little bit in the beginning with the, with the babies and trying to get them to stop crying when agnes comes in she just i guess her inclination was to pick up the kids and do and then vision says no and it kind of i guess 
makes her fumble a bit and she turns to one that's like oh do you do you want me to pick up the kids i'll she's like oh we could just take it from the top which then caused vision to question it yeah that's such a great line because it's clearly like we don't know what's going on with agnes if she's actually under wanda's spell or not that's to be seen right but she acts just like the mailman or like anyone else uh in this town where they all agree that wanda runs the show so they will make sure they deliver their lines right or don't get on her bad side, um, which is why I think when we, you pointed this out the other the other conversation, uh, Mr. Hart, the boss, choked because he was pushing back on Wanda. Um, and the beekeeper got rewound because he wasn't supposed to be there. So, yeah, it's it's funny that, like, <laughs> that's exa- like that's how... Uh, Agnes approached that situation like no wait we're going off script here do you want to just start again (laughs) (laughs) it it was so she has some level of awareness of what's going on um, along with the neighbors that you listed off like the mailman so but clearly like between that and and Wanda making um, you know stuff I forget exactly what it was I I believe it was a key or something that she made appear out of nowhere or materialize a dog tag a dog tag okay there you go (laughs) um she seems to be at least somewhat grasping the fact that she's in control and she just doesn't really care to conceal it all that much because Vision has this whole thing of trying to hide his red skin from everybody. Yeah, that was one of the best scenes. I, I laughed so hard when he was like, <laughs> came down in his in his human face and Wanda was like, what are you doing? He's like, I have this uh, this weird thought that like, Somebody's going to pop in. And then Agnes walks in. She's holding the, the dog out. He's like, oh, with exactly what we needed. <laughs> that was so well delivered. But he's starting to kind of wake up a little bit. And we see that throughout this whole episode. Yeah, it's it's the Truman Show uh, effect where it only takes a couple things to go odd. You know, like for him, it was seeing the elevator full of people. And then then the door opened again and it was the back of a set. Uh, It just takes a couple things for you to like question the reality around you. Um, And then S.W.O.R.D. obviously is making it easier for him to question that because they sent in the email, uh, which is another one of their tricks of sending in either like radio wavelengths or something that won't get distorted. So was that S.W.O.R.D. intentionally doing that? Because I, I kind of read it as like he accidentally received it within his space because the email itself doesn't seem to be addressed to him. It's not addressed to him, but I have to imagine that it's it's not like an accidental like walkie talkie caught the frequency type of thing. It's an email, so it has to be directed at someone like just turning on a computer near the S.W.O.R.D. operations won't necessarily receive an email right you're right in this in the modern sense i don't know if like older formats kind of did it that way too i don't know (laughs) maybe i'm reading too much into it but i i kind of took it like the only effort that they were trying was that drone uh that they launched there i didn't think that they intentionally leaked that information to him no they should have been clearer about that um if they if it was shield sending it where Darcy is like, all right, so just like how we ran the the radio thing, let's try and get through to Vision, um, because now we know he's a victim and Wanda's the victimizer. So they should have included just a, a minute of dialogue before they sent off the email. 
I'm under the impression that it was sent in, uh, sent in on purpose intentionally. Um, but yeah, I don't understand the tech of the eighties. I I don't think it's like you could accidentally get the signal, but who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know everything on computers either. I do know that there could be ways to intercept stuff, but it it just seems like too much of a puzzle to kind of navigate in order for that to kind of be the thing. So you might be right. They they might have like meant to send it to him. But after that sequence, he like is able to wake up uh, Norm. Yeah. So he he shows off some of his like AI abilities where he turns off the computer just by touching it, and then he uh, you know, zaps uh, Norm's brain and, and is able to have a conversation and finds out that Norm's in incredible pain. He is worried about what day it is and contacting his family and, and where is he? And uh, it makes Vision, like, really understand what's going on. It's also kind of scary to see that from the perspective of a everyday person within the town it's like yeah like imagine you're being strung up basically like a puppet i mean we might be doing that right now <laughs> this whole thing is a simulation this podcast is a lie everybody <laughs> <laughs> shut it off deny your programming no wait uh turn it back on and, and listen to the rest of the episodes and rate us in the store well, let's let's take it from the top <laughs> let's take it back from the top here but yeah uh, i saw you I feel like um, there's a lot with Vision in this episode where it, it kind of leaves you with questions and it also answers a, a couple. Like, we do know that he's not necessarily immune to Wanda, but at least he's able to resist some of the mental games she's playing with the people of the town. Um, but then the questions are, is he actually alive again? Are we seeing Wanda literally... Parade, parade his corpse around and just give it a personality, <laughs> as I kind of speculated last week. Yeah, you uh, you nailed that. I was strongly against it because I didn't think Disney had the stones <laughs> to do that. But well, they uh, went ahead and did it. <laughs> but they didn't show a corpse. They showed him like dismembered, but it was like it was like circuits and wires. It wasn't like body parts. Regardless, it's kind of a dark thing to put on there. It's just it did take me by surprise. <laughs> Right, because yeah. it's like you you did see to even like show that little shot where, uh, what director Hayward was like showing. Oh, by the way, out of not to kind of dig, you know diverge a little bit too much on this, but like the fact that he was holding on to this piece of information for this long immediately makes me question his motives. No, let's let's divert onto this uh, and talk about Hayward, Monica, and the team because this is like timeline wise in the episode makes sense right now. For what yeah. we're talking about. So yeah, I totally agree. I think it's like, why are you showing this now? Like, there's no reason, like, you had this and thought that Wanda was a victim, if this is real. Uh, but he put a timestamp on it as nine days ago, which, if it was August 23rd during the Heart episode, it's probably, like, August 25th now. So, mid-August. I guess that's just after the blip, right? Just after, and I think just after um, Spider-Man Far From Home, interestingly enough. Yeah, there was a great thing I saw on this. Uh, this, I guess, couldn't go into the predictions episode, so just remind me, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. What about the briefing? Like, why hold on to that, like, that 
footage, is it really that classified or does it create Wanda into a villain? I think he's holding on to and and there's two things there's two train of thoughts on me. Either he's trying to purposefully um antagonize Wanda, you know, so he knows what's really going on, but he just doesn't want to spill his his guts out on it. Or you know, similarly, but I think part of it is he probably took Vision's body and was trying to weaponize it because he had this whole speech earlier on in the in the series, I think it was last week's episode, actually, where he talked to Monica about the need for sentient weapons. Yeah, a suit of armor around the world. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and his first thing he said, too, was that, like, space was full of threats, and it took Monica to say, like, and allies, don't forget that. <laughs> like, Right. So he's definitely, he certainly does have an agenda against superheroes and against, like, threats from the outside world. Yeah, I think he's taking on the role that Nick Fury had before Avengers 1. The guy that just didn't want, like, surveyed everything as a threat. Except he doesn't have Fury's um, knack, I guess, for figuring out the truth (laughs) to things. Even still, a, a counterpoint to that is in Civil War, he still wanted to save Project Insight. Insight, yeah. He wanted to save that. And it took Captain America to be like, no, we have to bring that down as well. Because you can't just, like, you can't, like, root out the rats. You have to get rid of the whole ship. Right. So he was still, like, thinking, like, salvage and then target potential threats. This guy is basically Fury 2.0. Yeah. Without the charm. Let's talk a little bit about um, the, the new trio we got going on in this episode. Darcy, uh, Jimmy, <laughs> or, or you know, Agent Wu, and uh, Monica. Yeah, I guess their plotline kind of started with the Monica's blood test and X-ray, and remembering what her initial interview was after coming out of the hex. Right. Uh, why would the blood test and X-ray come back blank? Is that like effects of the magic or something? So that's what I was. So as as a comic book reader, knowing that eventually she becomes Captain Marvel two in the in the comics, I don't think they're going that route in in, in this. But um, her she eventually adopts this name, uh, this moniker Photon, right? So that's her superhero name. Uh, mm-hmm. But her powers are light manipulation. So that's what kind of came to mind immediately when when they're like, oh, the X ray is blank. And she kind of shows at least a little, like half of the X-ray, and it seems to be just like this bright flash. Mm. I'm thinking, does she have her abilities already, and Monica's just trying to conceal them because she brushed the concerns aside, um, or did she just gain them in Wanda's world for some reason? That would be interesting. Okay, I, I could I could roll with that theory. I don't know if that's going to pay off in this, or if that's just going to be a long-term thing it might pay off i could see them being like we need a super to fight a super type of thing something might have happened because the the, the only other thing that i'll kind of bring up on, on this point is um the fact that her mom died from cancer i kind of it kind of leads me to believe like maybe there was some sort of like accident similar akin to like the hulk where they were both involved and monica came out of there with powers or her mom you know ended up with an unfortunate side effect of cancer. 
I don't know. It, it, I'm, again, mm. I'm just speculating here, but like, it just kind of seems like you don't. Marvel doesn't just plan things like that and not deliver on something down the line, even if it is like one or two movies off from the point of introduction. Yeah, here's the thing that I think the cancer is the payoff for, is that when they were discussing who's the strongest Avenger, uh, how Scarlet Witch basically took on Thanos and would have won alone. Uh, and then Agent Wu says, well, I don't know, Captain Marvel probably came pretty close. And then you see this like resentment or like anger towards Captain Marvel from yeah. Monica. And I think that's the payoff of the cancer bit is like she possibly blames Captain Marvel for not being involved or stopping the events of the Infinity War and basically robbing her of like the last two years with her mother or some sort of resentment for like not visiting or whatever. Yeah, you what, could be what right. What your take on that? Because you, you could pick up on that, right? Yeah, I, I thought more it was like an abandonment thing. Like I like I'm willing to bet and, and I don't know if I'm right about this or not, but I feel like th- at some point Captain Marvel Captain Marvel whether it was in Endgame or the after the credits thing of her own movie, it was kind of you're kind of led to believe that she hasn't been back on Earth since she left. So I kind of took it like, oh, like Maria Rambo, her Monica's mom was Captain Marvel's best friend. She was suffering from cancer and all this. It sounds like Captain Marvel just never bothered to come back and visit them. So it, that's the way that I kind of took it. Yeah, um, which is the cancer kind of payoff right. here. Um, and then also giving her a like tragic start, which like every superhero needs. Yeah, everybody loses their parents in the superhero world. It seems like that's your, your <laughs> ticket of entry, right? <laughs> it's the ultimate pain, man. Jesus. <laughs> um, I guess it's appropriate that Disney bought Marvel then because they have Bambi and like Disney Disney has no <laughs> love for parents either. That's true. You're either an orphan or you're not a good character <laughs> in the Disney film. How about Agent Wu becoming the real hero of the story and finally getting Darcy that coffee? Oh, Agent <laughs> Wu deserves his own show. I really like him. <laughs> I like Agent Wu so much. He's so like sensitive and like so nice. He's the kind of guy you want to have a beer with, or like you're you'd be happy to call your coworker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like the dynamics at play there between the three characters, between him, Monica, and and Darcy. Darcy in particular, you and I shared kind of a dislike for her. <laughs> um, in the Thors. Yeah, which yeah. I thought she played it well enough. But she's one of those characters that's like, it's comic relief, but they just overplayed those parts so often. But her personality here balances off really well off of Agent Wu and off of Monica that, you know, I, I would enjoy watching a series with the three of these folks um, tackling on you know, give give me a sword spinoff starring Agent Wu and, and Monica Rambeau. They do have a great chemistry where it's like Agent Wu asks the, you know, the idiot's question for the like what the audience is thinking. Darcy is um, has gained credibility and is able to answer them with uh, intelligently. And then uh, Monica brings the. All right, now let's put this into action. What can I do to improve the situation? Which is kind of the three elements you need for a task force team. Unfortunately, they're being undermined by the acting director. Yeah, I took it to mean like Agent Wu is kind of like the casual Marvel fan 
uh, Darcy's like the <laughs> yeah. comic book reader, and then um, Monica's Kevin Feige coming in to just like be like, all right, bridge the gap between the two. Yeah, now let's get back on track. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> what do you think about this uh, idea that Monica comes up with? Uh, how maybe if they use tech from the same era, it won't be converted by Wanda on its entry. So like the reason why the drones failed initially was because they were too modern and they had to be, you know, converted to the 1950s. So now they use a 1980s drone and it gets through because it's the same era. It's a smart plan. And I think that she's going off of assumptions, having already witnessed it firsthand. That and the fact that her Kevlar vest turned into 1970s disco-like attire. Kevlar pants it was. She (laughs) shot the pants, not the vest. No, but like she, she was wearing Kevlar when she went in. So yeah, like but it she seems said the like pants were night were seventy percent Kevlar. Who wears those types of pants? <laughs> Why did she wear those pants on that mission? She was literally there to like supply a drone. Well, I feel like I I took it to mean that since she wore the, that Kevlar vest once she entered the hex, um, the reality changed so that that Kevlar vest just basically manifested into into pants into whatever she kind of needed and that's why the makeup of it is different now i'm gonna have to watch it a third time because i'm pretty sure she said the pants were kevlar <laughs> the original pants that's pretty insane. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i could be wrong I, I don't know i just i that's the way that i kind of interpret it <laughs> i'm harping too much on her pants let's let me i just want to say my piece about the <laughs> that theory yeah i don't know if i like it it was very clever uh, and I'm happy it worked because it gave them an in. But it's a very slippery slope because if they're aging, if Wanda's aging the show inside 10 years a day, then she's going to be in the 2020s soon. And what, then every sword agent is able to get in? They're just waiting for her to age up to 2020 so that they could get to the COVID-19 phase and everybody's <laughs> oh pointing God. so it's easier entry. <laughs> But, like, do you see what I mean? Like, it's a very slippery slope because yeah. it's, like, if they continue on the track that they're already on, then, like, you just wait a day and you'll have a solution. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting way to kind of take it. I feel like it, it just – here's the way that I see it, too. Like, I feel like they're, they're trying to make sense out of something that, that is not really all that established, right? Like, I feel like the rules in Wanda's world change constantly. I'm not sure if it's necessarily like she's aging at 10 years night, day over day. Like the the dialogue she had with the vision where they haven't slept for days makes me think that maybe in her world it's been a few days. I don't know. Like definitely there's very strange things related to time going on there. Um, but she can make up the days because the kids made a point where it's a Saturday and she said, no, it's Monday. Was she just lying to them to like make them believe I, t- I took it to mean that she she was she was lying and maybe she was trying to manipulate reality at that point but the kids didn't seem to buy it at all and that's where like my original point on like her kids being emotionally connected to her at some point like they're really not they're really fully immune to her abilities it looks like yeah how do they know what day of week it is when they're aging five years at a time <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't I, remember what day of week it is until it's friday <laughs> i don't know but it's on the on the kids. Let's talk about them for a little bit because. Wait, us, sorry. Can we do one more? On yeah, Monica's yeah. Team. I I need to know your take on this. Uh, 
when she was like pitching ideas of like how do we get in there and she said like let's use like a lead box or something like that and then they came up with some other whatever their the rest of their conversation and monica said i know an aerospace engineer who would be who would love this mission who do you think that was in reference to that's reed richards right there. okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the, i they are 100 percent trying to bring the fantastic forward in this with you yep. know the comments that we talked about last week and then this i mean screams it right I 100% got the vibes that she was talking about Reed Richards because I'm like, okay. all right, they're talking about like interdimensional energy and all this other stuff. I was like, this is right up his alley. It's got to be him. Or the thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, or, or the thing. Um, ben. I, it's definitely not Johnny or his, maybe Sue, right? It could be well, Sue. Johnny is Captain America, so <laughs> it's going to get confusing quick. They better bring back Chris Evans to play that part. I don't care if they re- like. Do you imagine? <laughs> Wasn't he in conversations to come back? Yeah, but as Cap, right? Oh, actually, you know what? They did didn't they really that? specify. Did they? It could be. <laughs> I think they did, but that would be hilarious. Give me John Krasinski as as um as Reed and, Richards and Emily Blunt as Sue Storm. Yeah, man. Like I saw that, that fan right? art. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> I would. I would love it. Anyway, yeah, now, sorry, please move on. <laughs> Wanda's kids. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Billy and Tommy. I love how they kept the color scheme, no matter what age they <laughs> yeah. were. Right? Like, it's clear who's Billy. It's clear who's Tommy. They're clearly not identical twins like they are in the comics. That color scheme with uh, Tommy wearing the green, Billy wearing the reddish pink thing um wiccan billy being wiccan and uh tommy being speed clearly i feel like they are playing the house of m storyline here with them and by that i mean like this is the versions of the kids that don't necessarily start with the wiccan and speed monikers there but rather we might see them grow into that later on down the line they have won this power to some extent because like how else are they aging themselves up or they've learned how to manipulate matter like she is within the hex, and it's like amplifying yeah, their powers. But in the comics, it's not like that at all. Wiccan has Wanda's exact abilities, but Speed is obviously Quicksilver's um, abilities. So maybe they're changing things up here? I don't know, but it leads me to believe that we're likely seeing an adaptation of their original storyline, but kind of twisted up a little bit. And by that, I mean like maybe these aren't actually the ultimate renditions of these characters will probably see them reworked down the line. Um, but Wanda's kids kind of going time back to the point I was making earlier on, I feel like they're being pressured into aging. And by the, the reason why I say that is when it comes to Sparky eating the poisonous plants in Agnes's garden, and you have that little scene where even vision comes into play and like, is comforting his sons. Uh, Wanda has this whole speech that kind of threw me off a little bit. Yeah. Because it's almost like she was being tested. And it's almost like her kids were being tested. Because her kids latch onto the fact that she's able to revive people. Or she's able to cheat death in some way. Because I, I forget which one. I, I think it was Tommy that is urging her to bring back Sparky. There's this whole little dialogue where she says, no, we can't, like death is forever. You can't change it. There are rules. Yeah. There are rules, yeah. And I'm like, wait, but didn't you bring back Vision? So it kind of made me question, is she telling the truth? And if she is, 
then who brought Vision back? Yeah, I think here was my take on it. I think if she does the same trick over and over, it's either like spending too much power of her and she knows that the hex is coming down around her because she keeps, you know, putting her attention elsewhere. And to bring back a dog, like some like a plot point in this as small or insignificant as a pet would just spend a little too much and she doesn't know how much would break down around her. So I think that was just like a general grieving with or coping with death type of speech. But I also think it served as her kind of quote unquote waking up a little bit, uh, especially when we see her conversation with vision at the end when he's like, he goes through the whole thing of like, I'm sure this started off as like, you don't even know how this started off, but then it, you know, snowballed into this. Uh, but what we're doing, like what you're doing here is it's not right. You can't do this. And then she like right before um, the big reveal at the end, right before that, she like her dialogue is basically saying like, I know I, and then she gets cut off by the doorbell. So it was like, I think all of that, that all the events of that day made her re- like start to realize like what she's doing is wrong. I, if that that could be it, but I also kind of made it seem to me that she's either being pushed to her limits, like you said, and she, so that's why she's not reviving the dog. It just didn't make sense for her not to revive the dog. Yeah, so I think that's what I said is the case for she is the one responsible for um, bringing Vision back alive. But the case for if it was Mephisto bringing it, then saying the line of there are rules in life, I think that plays for the case of Mephisto because it's like the rule was I had to have these kids like you two for bringing Vision back. So if I want to bring back a dog, I have to make another deal type of thing. Right. There was also the fact that... um... Agnes kind of had a little bit of a look of disappointment to her face when she, when it when Wanda says that she can't do it, and well, it's I, more surprise though it's, at the beginning of that because she was like, "Wait, you can do that power?" Like, right? But there's also like if you if you notice after she says after she gives a speech to the kids, there's almost like this this disappointed look to her face. I wonder then like did Agnes purposely kill the dog to kind of put it to the test? <laughs> what was she doing behind the bush? Right. And also the fact that her kids were she stopped them from aging another another couple of years because she sat down and was like, no, you can't you can't age up to escape from this feeling. What, like, I, I guess that's their coping mechanism. But also it, it just kind of seems like the, 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 they were somebody was trying to get them to age to that point, you know, because here's Sparky, who kind of. I guess also isn't under Wanda's control, right? Because otherwise she, she could have easily uh, manipulated him to return and not have to go through this whole mess, right? Like it seems like Sparky was kind of put there by somebody else. I do see what you're saying. Um, now that you're saying it, what is the consistent point with them aging? And it's Agnes. They age from babies to five year olds, right? Whatever Agnes did there. And then they age from five to 10 when they had the dog in their hands and Agnes was in the kitchen. She said, let's hope this dog doesn't grow too. Uh, and they were very close to aging again when Agnes is holding the dead dog. So it's like, she's creating these situations for them to age. So 
Right. I mean, maybe there is that bigger part there. It just kind of brings me back to, like, um, in the comics, the kids are made out of shards of Mephisto's soul. And so his plan was to basically utilize them as vessels for his entry into Earth. I wonder then, do they need to hit a certain age for them to be able to be useful for him? If, if, if assuming at all that Mephisto is a guy behind all this, right? But and there's uh, so many things. I know. Yeah, I mean, like, you could also take it as, like, Wanda trying to educate her kids how to deal with grief because she wants them to be better than she is. Like, there's so many different paths this could go, which is why this show is actually really good because it's like you don't you can't predict it like our predictions have been very hit or miss more on the miss they have been and it's I've, (laughs) i've kind of been it's a similar feeling to season two of mando where like it just kind of has me at the edge of my seat, kind of second-guessing myself. Yeah, and once I, Mando got away from what was seen in the trailer, we had no clue what was going to happen. Right, and it's the same thing kind of here. Even as a comic book reader, I'm like, all right, this is clearly House of M. But then, like, three four episodes in, I'm like, all right, it's kind of House of M. <laughs> but it's elements of this other storyline, too. So, like, I love the fact that you can enjoy these little bits, but none of this is actually too relevant to the story because it could turn out to be something radically different. And it kind of leads me to, you know, before we kind of jump to the big reveal, because I feel like that's the big scene, right? Like between her mm. standoff with Vision and, and the reveal. Um, there's also the the scene where she goes full on. And, you know, and, and really another point to Hayward's dialogue in this episode. Wanda was never given a code name, which in the comics and everything, it, it's, it's Scarlet Witch. This is, I think, where she's going to get that moniker <laughs> after she has that confrontation, destroys the drone that's sent in there by 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 Agent Wu and and Monica to kind of talk to her. Um, the revelation that Hayward actually armed the drone and you know took took control of it through um, some of his other soldiers there and tried to assassinate Wanda. Basically, is what happened. In there, right? Did they never set, call her Scarlet Witch in the movies? They never did because, and this is the other thing too. And like, I didn't like. It, I think it, they didn't. Yeah, it clicked for me. Why? Because Fox owned the rights to the X Men, and so Scarlet Witch, the name, is under the X Men brand <laughs> and the Avengers brand. So they couldn't use it before. Oh my gosh! I always thought the Lagos bit, like on the newsreel, they said Scarlet Witch, but like. Maybe they they did say Wanda Maximoff. Wow. Here's, here's where she's going to get that moniker. <laughs> so I thought it was so weird that Agent Wu wasn't willing to say Scarlet Witch. But yeah, now that makes sense. Yeah. They they never they never named her appropriately. But now the one thing and and this is where if if um director Hayward isn't Mephisto and he's not you know he's he doesn't have some other like grand grand scheme. He just happens to be a a bit of an ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> then he's probably the dumbest director <laughs> there, because like if you're if you're taking on Wanda, who could have easily killed Thanos on his own, on on her own, sorry, and it was established that she could. Why would you try <laughs> to assassinate her and like summon with her the, wrath with one missile? Yeah, with one missile. Yeah, especially threatening her kids and that. Like, of course, Wanda would be livid. Which she was in the scene that as she we finally see her exit the world in her full on Avengers costume. Yeah, and she flips on the switch of the Sokovian accent, which is way more intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's... Yeah, that was a great scene. I almost forgot about that because there's so many other bits that we were talking about. But yeah, that was uh, that was intense. The way she just flipped everyone's mind and had them point their guns at she the director. Went, she went full Magneto on them. And the reason why I say that is that scene where she, or that bit where she has them turn their guns against him was very Magneto. Like father, like daughter, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm whoa, still whoa. waiting for Fastbender. <laughs> <laughs> That's our Luke cameo. Imagine. We got our Luke cameo. I don't think we have. I, I, because of two things. And I'll, I'll get to it later on. But um, I, I don't think we have. But I just wanted to talk about this scene for a bit because I thought, you know, this was my favorite scene out of this episode. Um, so it, it, it's Her coming out of the. House. Yeah. 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 It finally, like kind of not unleashing all her powers, right? but like pull, putting on display the same Scarlet Witch that we saw in Age of Ultron when we first saw her, where she had this kind of like creepy vibe to her powers because you didn't quite mm-hmm. know how they worked. Um, and clearly, she's on the next level of like mental manipulation now. Her powers have like grown exponentially at this point. Yeah, that's what I was saying before. Is like now the audience gets drawn into this character because we haven't gotten to see her learn how to use her powers, which is still a little confusing how she got to this point because did she learn? She had to learn before Infinity War because she was snapped away and then came back. And then they're basically saying after being returned nine days later, she broke into a sword and, and stole uh, Vision's body. Well, they always seem to have been tied to her emotions quite a bit because after Quicksilver dies in Age of Ultron, you get the, her unleashing her... She drops a nuke. Yeah, on Ultron, basically. Yeah. Then... Full on. No, she she also wipes out everybody, all those other drones that were trying to hit the button. Yeah. In that church, she like destroyed all of those. Then goes rips out Ultron's heart. Yeah. And then the same thing when she unleashed on Thanos, both times in Infinity War, as she's holding her, holding him back with one hand. (laughs) Mind you, the guy's got like a full, an almost full set of Infinity Stones, and she managed to hold them off as she's killing Vision with her other. With her other hand, so she's like god tier level <laughs> strength. But it was it was fun to to finally see um the what could be the the birth of her Scarlet Witch moniker in the MCU. I'm still having so much trouble with that video that was released. <laughs> Which like, one? The one that the director released, like the highly sensitive her breaking in. Oh that yeah. That was nine days after Tony Stark's funeral, if that. And at the end of that movie she's at such a peace where she's like vision and scarlet or and um scarlet johansson's character black widow know what we did for them like they know that we succeeded because they're looking down on us she seemed so at peace and now she's like breaking in and then reviving him like this is not the same person i i I will venture to guess that hayward is was experimenting with vision's body and he was doing something that she found out about and so she that led her into this like wave of emotions. I don't necessarily think we have the full picture of that yet. I think we're 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 going to get that revelation down the line. But I feel like she has she has it in for him because clearly, you know, she she went the extra mile of having his own men point point their guns at him directly. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't Monica who invaded her space and she seemed to have a grudge with. It was him that she specifically pointed out. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There has to be something that 
So I think she she has yeah she has good reason and maybe it was after that after that event that something or someone else manipulated her or something happened where this whole thing came up and Darcy may have a point she might she might have set up that perimeter around the town to stop the spread of this manifest manifested world I don't know like I think there's there's a lot more to here that we have left to unravel. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see once this is all done exactly what her motivations were. Let's get to the to the big reveal at the end here uh, before we close it up. Pietro, her brother Quicksilver, being recasted by Evan Peters' portrayal from the <laughs> X Men series in Fox. Uh, for those that didn't see in the news, Elizabeth Olsen uh, basically confirmed in an inter- interview, right, that there would be a Luke Skywalker-like appearance in WandaVision which yep. refers to Luke coming back in Mandalorian. Is this it? Or do you think there's a bigger, like, does she not know how big Luke Skywalker was? I've seen a number of interviews with her to know that she does seem to know her stuff when it comes to Star Wars. She seems, she actually does seem to be a genuine Star Wars fan. And back but in, back Quick during Silver's the age of, not the same size as a Luke. No, but that's why I feel like she's not talking about Quicksilver. I feel like she's talking about something else towards the end of the season. And, and the other point of this, too, like, I saw an old interview that somebody brought up on Twitter where they asked her, like, hey, where do you want your character to go after Age of Ultron? And this is around that time period, too. And she said, I would love them to, I would love for them to visit House of M, but I think that's too dark for Marvel to ever tackle. So she's, oh, wow. she's yeah, so she, like, nobody, unless you're, like, a hardcore, no, well, not a hardcore, but unless you're at least somewhat well-versed in, in comic lore, you're not going to bring up something like that. And be like, yeah, House of M is a good storyline. It's it's just it's not even like at the forefront of pop culture, in general, right? Like we're not talking about Watchmen or another highly prominent, you know, storyline. So it kind of makes me think that maybe she does know the levity of the Luke Skywalker cameo, and so she's maybe referencing something else a little bit bigger. Maybe well, there's a yeah. Doctor Strange coming. Maybe there's a somebody. <laughs> somebody said that it. This confirms that Tobey Maguire will be at the end of this, <laughs> at the end of this season. All the all the Spider Mans. Give me a Tobey Maguire in his Spider Man outfit, right? But like without his mask and wearing Doctor Strange's cape. Wow, that's <laughs> quite the crossover. Yeah. Um, I like that he was brought back. I was actually genuinely surprised that it was kept secret that he was at filming. And then also, I couldn't tell from the back of his head. I thought it was going to be like old man Steve Rogers was there <laughs> with the gray with the gray hair, the Joe Biden version of Steve Rogers. <laughs> um, yeah, I th- I thought I well I thought for sure the minute I saw the white hair was Quicksilver, but I was kind of expecting right. the Aaron Taylor Johnson version. Uh, that's the one from from Age of Ultron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I when it was Quicksilver, I was surprised they didn't bring him back per se, but I get the recasting thing because that's that was pretty common in the eighties, right? Just recasting without explaining to the audience whenever that's an actor true. or actress was like in trouble with something. Um, so it fit the genre timing pretty well, and then also like this Quicksilver just exudes eighties. But he's giving me a very different vibe in this. In this one scene, he's he looks terribly old, or <laughs> like he has bad makeup on. Yeah, which kind of leads me to wonder: like, are we supposed to believe that this is the Pietro Maximoff from 
the Fox universe, and we, you know, she's starting to tear at reality, and this is one of those symptoms. Or is this more like is he playing a different character, and you know, us remembering him playing Quicksilver is just kind of like a red herring? I think that is it. This doesn't necessarily mean that mutants are brought into this timeline. I think it certainly does create a possibility where it could be, but I think it more is just a nod to fans of like, we're recasting Quicksilver with someone who played a different Quicksilver. Um, so I, I think that my my theory, and I'm going to hold to this until I see that it's probably evidently not the case, right? But I think that the way that they're going about this is that this isn't Pietro at all. This isn't any version of Pietro, but rather this is the actual incarnation of Mephisto. Well, yeah, I think this brings us into our predictions here. Um, I think we're both still holding on to Mephisto being the big bad that is being overlooked. Uh, so you're, you sound like you want it to be, or not want it to be, but could be this Quicksilver. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think he will... I don't think he'll show any powers. So I think she's just going to end up calling him Pietro, but they're never going to really like, I think you're right. I think it's more of just like a, someone from the town. Like it's not really him. Uh, I'm still holding on to Mephisto being uh, the acting director of sword. Yeah, you could be right on it. I feel like there's, there's a couple different candidates. We got Ralph, we got this new Pietro guy showing up in town. We got director Hayward. Um, and and one of the more absurd theories that I've seen online is Darcy is actually Mephisto. <laughs> Let's see who's right. She hasn't really she hasn't really aged since Thor, right? Yeah, see that's really suspicious. That was like ten years ago. Yeah, I wish I had that ability. There's, there's not a lot of info to make a uh, there's not a lot of info to make a good guess. So again, our predictions are probably going to come up short on this one. The one thing I, I do I'm kind of getting to. A, not a prediction necessarily for the show, but for the for the world building of this is based on the ability of our kids being able to age <laughs> pretty quickly. I I do really think then that we are seeing the setup for Young Avengers at some point, which depending on how they kind of treat this, and it seems like because we have Wiccan and Speed coming up, that they're probably going to use the better the better iteration of the Young Avengers. I'm mean, kind of looking forward to to seeing what they do with it. But you also had the development of Hawkeye's daughter becoming the new Hawkeye. Um, there was someone else, right? Maybe Tony's daughter got, gets involved. Um, Ant-Man's daughter, Stature, I think, is her her comic book moniker. It's not Hawkeye's daughter. It's it's um, what's her name? It's they got um Haley Steinfeld to play her. Uh, Kate Bishop. She's she, she's any going relation to, to Hawkeye. Uh yeah, so in the comics they're both they both go by Hawkeye, but they have radically different um backgrounds. Like they're not related from a family standpoint. No, but like the the stuff that I'm seeing off of the Hawkeye show, it's it's going to be a uh iteration of the Mad Fraction comic book run from like the 2010, 2011. It's a that, that's that was the really good book for for Hawkeye. It's the one time I actually ended up picking up a Hawkeye comic book and really, really enjoying it. So I'm looking forward to that. But she's part of the the Young Avengers. I think she's the leader of the Young Avengers, actually. So yeah, I do see that as a possible possible setup. Um, and, and we got Loki coming up. Yeah, it probably won't be a payoff for a while because they have to nah. 
they have a lot of different series they're working with right now. But for my prediction, there's one thing I saw that I think I texted you about after the episode last week, trying to connect two different movies for the same timeline. So obviously Spider-Man Far From Home is basically the same timing as this, uh, just after the blip. And when uh, Peter is presented with, you know, we need your help on this, uh, on the problem of that movie. And he, he starts rallying off, like, what about Captain America or Captain uh, Marvel? What about Doctor Strange? And, like, he lists off a few. And for Doctor Strange's, uh, Agent Hill says he's he's busy right now. Or, like, he was preoccupied or something like that. What yeah. if he's busy with this? I think you're right. I think that this is where that... But So here's the... From a timeline perspective, do we know when Endgame... What time of the year Endgame ends, right? Because here's what we know from Far From Home. When they come back, they, they're asked to repeat the school year. So they basically... By the time that Far From Home happens, it's summertime. I guess it's like... Depending on where you go to school, right? it depends. Like It's probably late July, early August kind of thing. Um, so that's the time frame that far from home happens. It happens in the summer, in the summer months. We just don't know exactly when, but it's been yeah, a few it, months since the end of end game. Yeah. It's either, it's either following like a traditional school timeline of like, it's probably late September, early October, or it could be a, you know, it's a scholastic school. So they might do a different schedule instead of nine months on three months off. Right. They could do, um, like every three months, then take a one month off type of thing. Uh, I I don't know what Spider Man school is set up <laughs> like. So <laughs> if you know that and you're out there listening, hit us up with the Spider Man syllabus. But yeah, uh, yeah. So I assume it's September. Is Spider Man Far From Home? This show we know is late August. So well, now that uh, that video came out for nine days before, it's mid to late August. So, yeah, it would make sense that Doctor Strange is, like, tied up into this, especially since they're trying to bring this as, like, a jumping-off point for the multiverse opening. And the next movie is supposed to take place, the next Spider-Man movie is supposed to take place around Christmas time, so it will lead straight into the fall-winter months of that same year, of 2023. So it's a nice segue, especially if the the rumors are true and, and we are going to get a connected, some sort of bleed-over effect from the end of this show into spider-man 3 and then into doctor strange 2 i I think you're right though like these movies are taking place around the same time and we definitely already had a hint of that before we even knew that this show was even coming which is like a great like tiny little line in far in spider-man far from home that you didn't really pay attention to but now makes now could be something bigger captain marvel was off world during that during that movie too right yeah, so they could do something there if they wanted. Um, she just keeps disappointing everybody in the same <laughs> universe. <laughs> she doesn't like Earth. She never did. Damn. If, if if I'm right and she just never visited Maria ever again, that's that's pretty messed up. Yeah, it's a bad friend. No Skyping, no Zoom. Like, come on. A Zoom happy hour. That's all we're asking for. Yeah, come on. Like, jeez. <laughs> go visit go visit your girl. You know, give her I don't know, let her know you're alive. An Azorian yeah, elixir. Yeah. Oh yeah, bring her back in the Zorian elixir. You could have done that, Carol. You could have done it, but you didn't. Way to go. Yeah. Um, I think that that kind of wraps it up. Unless you have any other, you know, last 
burning thoughts on the episode or or predictions that you would want to hash out? No, I, th- I think I'm all set. I, I feel like I have a lot more that we can kind of delve into the episode for, but I feel you know we could do this for hours and like we'll probably find something to keep talking about. Yeah, this one feels like I would I'm comfortable to talk on this one forever because there's so much that we don't know and it's all speculation. So I'm very excited yeah. for next week to see what we get. I'm looking forward to the the end of all this and ha- like being able to come back to each episode and being like, oh, this is why they did that or this is why this was included. It's right. so fun to kind of see that. Just like the conversation we just had about Far From Home, <laughs> they're planting the seeds that you're not going to be able to appreciate until miles down the road. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what the MC, MCU does so great. Well, yeah, if you're out there, uh, you know, and you had thoughts on this or had predictions of your own or want to jump in on the conversation at all, feel free to uh, hit us up on Twitter at BT fourth wall for being four TH. Uh, otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.